you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. We will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for person of interest featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude and our new recruit Anna. Jude, Anna, how you doing? Doing pretty well. I'm, I just harvested and ate my first salad out of the garden. Is that why there wasn't a cat in that picture? Yes, that's why there was no cat, is that it was... It was you know, lettuce and arugula that we grew in our garden. The cats helped, though. See, I'm I'm not a, I'm accustomed to all the pictures and the shares being either cats or Legos, and it clearly wasn't Lego. So I was immediately looking for like a cat head or a cat butt sticking out of the lettuce somewhere. But <laughs> no, just home harvested lettuce. It's very exciting and very tasty. Yeah. Uh, question: Was it as exciting as the news that there is an animated Babylon Five feature coming out in July? Uh. And yes, we have oh. seen JMS's tweets, and yes, we will be doing some form of coverage of this thing. Now that now that I have like, see if if he if he was a less frequent poster, I would like have alerts for JMS's tweets. But that man like is the epitome of arguing with strangers to the internet. Yeah, I was trying to explain. I don't even remember. Uh, I was trying to explain to. God, who was even now? I was trying to explain to somebody the fact that JMS has been like assholing on the internet with fans since basically like two seconds after BBSs went out of fashion, and the fact and there and I, my point was like this is why he is such a natural on Twitter because Twitter is yeah, yeah. Twitter is like a kiddie pool compared to the feral gladiatorial arena that was bbs's in the fucking 90s and early 2000s so the fact that he's now got the new stuff coming out and he's on twitter just like fearlessly slapping incoming nerds away is not at all surprising to me uh yeah i, I would friend of the show velvet like dm this to us i was just yeah. like the fuck so for for the new animated thing i'm like it's it's like every time we get like a teaser for something where it's like a beloved franchise where I'm both excited and also like very nervous. Yeah. Um because like if it's great then that yeah. will be wonderful and if it's not great I'll be really really disappointed. So I guess we'll see what it is. Yeah, we mm-hmm. we we'll talk about it in more length when we post more content on the subject. I don't know if we're going to do a trailer reaction, quick episode. We'll certainly cover the actual thing in excruciating detail. Uh, But uh, yeah, I have my reservations, but also I think JMS knows what makes good B5. And he seems to think that this is it. So season five would like a word with you, Jude. Here's the thing. 
I think he knows it's not good B5 too. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. so I'm, the, the one thing that I'm like, the, the thing that I'm excited for is that I think, I think JMS has a, like, is very good about either doing stuff, like, he, he is very good at playing with mediums and or or working with people who know how to get the most out of their medium. Yeah. So my greatest fear, which is that we get some like Rick and Morty family guy level of animation is immediately out the window. Yeah. I'm hoping it'll be kind of lower decks or like maybe not not vibe of lower decks, but I'm hoping like I mean honestly I'd be pretty cool with the vibe of lower decks. I'd want but, yeah. I'd maybe want I'd maybe want a little bit more of a I told I said this to Justin that I want it to be either gorgeous or to look like Star Trek TOS animated series. Star Trek and nothing in between. Yeah. I want it to look like the highest end (laughs) anime or like something out of the fucking early Those are the only two levels I want. I I have no idea what to expect. And like I'll admit that my like starting point for new B5 stuff is like excited, but very, like very apprehensive given the quality of everything past like season four. You mean Crusade didn't engender a lot of comfort? Yeah. Like that the movies and such like have not managed to capture. We keep saying we're going to do the movies. (laughs) And I think it's telling that we haven't yet. Do yeah. that while well Zathras is uh taking taking a vacation the Zathras. Yeah. <laughs> we've we've given uh, the Zathras and allowed that one Zathras to uh to take a brief vacation before we reattach its leash and lead. So Yeah, we will yeah, yeah. I don't think we've discussed this, but we are going to be taking a break between Person of Interest and D Space. Let us get a buffer. It'll let us all have a summer break. Uh, yeah, we'll see how much downtime that translates to as far as episodes. But yeah. Uh, speaking of person of interest, we have a lot, a lot of stuff lot to of cover stuff tonight. Here. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's we dive don't in. have one. Let's, let's go. We don't have two. We have it's the super size. Yeah. We are doing the three four. <laughs> the three four. Um, tonight yeah. we're covering. It's three for madness. Three for madness. <laughs> um, so tonight we are covering episodes five, six, and seven of season five of Person Interest, Shot Seeker, A More Perfect Union, and QSO. I don't remember who has. Oh, I I handed Shot Seeker off to Jude because it was it involved <laughs> bad technology. So yeah. um, take us away. Uh, all right. So this episode's number is Ethan Garvin, who works for the NYPD's latest bit of panopticon technology, Shotseeker, which listens to the city for gunshots and can pinpoint a gunshot within 50 feet. Uh, his specific job is to recalibrate the system to rule out false positives or false negatives, which has apparently saved the system from being scrapped. I'm sure that a system that puts microphones all over the city, which are then controlled by a computer, couldn't possibly end up being tied into our, our, our season meta plot or be problematic, but let's keep going. Maybe I'll be wrong. John tails him as he breaks into the apartment of a med student named Krupa Nayak and proceeds to shoot me absolutely zero entendres, uh, at which point John confronts him. 
to defend himself, he also then throws some firecrackers into the chimney uh, and then shows John how he is collecting sound samples to compare against a series of shots so- sounds that Shotseeker picked up three nights ago. He believes that Krupa, who has disappeared, uh, was killed, even though Shotseeker says that she was, uh, that the sounds were firecrackers. John hands the case to Fusco, and Fusco and Garvin head to talk to the head of a nonprofit that Krupa was working with. He accuses a biotech CEO of killing her for her research. And as Fusco and Garvin leave, Shotseeker reports fired, and they are both arrested, with Garvin nearly killed. John and Garvin then head to talk to Krupa's neighbor, but she's already been shot. Root and Finch hack Harvesta and find Krupa's research. John chases down the shooter that shot her neighbor, but gets jumped and kidnapped into the B-plot. Fusco throws the full weight of the NYPD to try and find John, potentially provoking Samaritan, who we at this point have figured out is involved. Root finds Krupa's research and chats with an unwitting Samaritan agent, one of their dismissed numbers, Blackwell. And finally, at the station, a hitman tries to kill, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Garvin, uh, but is saved by Fusco. And in an attempt to defuse the threat to Garvin, they put Krupa's research on the internet. Samaritan switches him to to no threat, but Fusco, meanwhile, because he refuses to back down on ever finding John, is upgraded. In our B-plot, Bruce Moran, Elias' finance bro, approaches Fusco in the park while his son plays street hockey and makes a not-even-thinly-veiled threat against the kid to try and find out what happened to Elias. He determines that Fusco isn't the man in charge and John is. Confronted, John says he'll handle it. Uh, He meets with Moran and advises him to let it go or else he's going to get killed. Moran can't, and John says he admires his loyalty, but out of his own loyalty, if he ever goes near Fusco again, he'll kill him. Moran eventually has John kidnapped, as previously mentioned, and after John beats his guards with a broom like some sort of Looney Tunes bullshit, John decides to give Moran the truth that Elias is alive, it turns out, and bedridden in the team's safe house. Elias tells Moran to go back into the shadows. Finally, we have a C-plot, kind of. Uh, Root and Finch have made a mini-machine and a mini-Samaritan and are having a little mini-ASI war in a Faraday cage. Um, The short version of this is that throughout the episode, Finch checks in and the machine is getting its ass kicked to the tune of 10 billion simulated losses. Oof. This is an episode that happened. Um, there's actually some stuff in this episode I like. A lot of it is just dumb. I feel like that goes for a lot of them in this little stretch of like the main yeah. plot is pretty dubious, but like there's some good stuff. Yeah. I mean, One of the things I liked most about this episode was that John treats Fusco like absolute garbage when Fusco is like, they threatened my son. And John's like, don't worry. Don't be a bitch. Like, he is so dismissive of of Fusco's concerns. And then the minute he meets with Moran, he's like, if you ever come near my boy Fusco again, I'll fucking kill you. Like, he is so, (laughs) so fucking dysfunctional socially that he cannot show Fusco the least bit of warmth to save his to save anyone's life, his own Fusco's anybody's. Um, And meanwhile, Fusco is like, like trying to figure this out and he's like upset that he's being left out of the loop yeah yeah fusco is wildly unhappy with the state of things and it's getting 
much, much worse. Oh, yeah. Uh, John's love language is, is gestures. <laughs> John, John's love language <laughs> is avenging <laughs> gone. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Uh, it's like wrong. gestures that you are unaware of threatening people for your safety, avenging your death. Just nothing yeah. you'll ever be aware of. Yeah. Uh, I also <laughs> like that uh, in similar socially maladjusted gestures, uh, Root, Root, when John, when they think John's been taken by Samaritan, Root is immediately in like, get the guns, get the bombs. It's time to go rampage mode. And the second he's back, she calls him helper monkey. <laughs> she literally waste any time she's like oh he's back okay back to be back to being dismissive of his lack of intelligence and his overall uselessness in anything but shooting things it's these guys are so the the rampant dysfunction in this found family group is so bananas it's it it just kills me it's it's hilarious too to think of like what root must think of him because like root is as skilled in the field as he is if not more like and yet more and and yet like she's also like a genius coder and all that and here he's there like <laughs> being john <laughs> so i can definitely see where Root is just like what are you good for <laughs> there there is a reason that she is the analog interface and he is just asset like sure he might be primary asset b is an asset yeah, yeah. <sighs> um speaking of john too whatever they're doing with the cosmetics on him in this episode is just just bad he looks like he has jaundice for like the whole thing it's terrible i don't know what they're doing to him he's got like some sort of like yellow fake tan it's very bad Ugh. yeah i don't know i agree though he does look bad we haven't we haven't talked about the most exciting part of this episode yet, though, which is that Elias is back, baby. Yeah, looking super good, hooked up to a hospital bed and drainage tube, but alive. Yeah, he's alive. <laughs> I was that was <laughs> I was like trying to keep a straight face when you're like Elias isn't dead. I'm just like, well, yeah. I mean, we didn't see a body. You don't kill we didn't someone. See a body. Yeah, you don't kill someone we, that we talented. We didn't see a body, and he wasn't vaporized. Show. Which is which is the reason that you 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 both have been telling me that we won't see we won't see Kara again. So she was, well, we she did see Kara again. True. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the main timeline, not a flashback. Uh, the 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 tri- the tech premise on this one is so bad though, and it is the the worst Here's- thing is that this is an actual technology that actually doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. it's been completely disproven. Um, yeah. Uh, but it was it was one of the it, it's it's like every generation of ours, like every like three or four years, there's like a cluster of technologies that are like, oh, this is the next generation in X or Y. And it's like within two years, it's completely disproven or useless. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that any all of it's dumb, all of it's dumb. Yeah. The only part of it that's remotely believable is that a guy could listen to the sound of a gun being shot and guess what kind of gun it is. That I believe. There are people yeah. fucking weird enough to know the difference between a Glock and a Ruger by their by like yeah. the sound of the reports. Believe that you could get a clear enough like 
sound wave out of a out of a like a recording in a in fucking New York City to look that clean yeah. and to pick out that thing. It would just be like constant wall of noise shit. Do you know what is the most believable thing about this though? That they would install microphones but, everywhere to listen to people? Yes, yeah, so the city of New York would spend that much money on it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, the end of the episode is shows Samaritan using the shot seeker mics to listen to everybody around, which is yeah. uh, the part I left out of this summary is that the entire thing is a shenanigans plot by uh, Samaritan. It blamed the, the killing of the scientist on fictional Monsanto, as Anna calls them. Um, <laughs> it organized the killing like. Everything that has happened in this episode is because Samaritan like arranged it, and I don't know why. I'm gonna None be of this episode honest. makes sense. I, I like this doesn't happen often. No idea what was going on in the second half of this episode. No, no, I don't like, think here's. I don't think there. I, I think it's. I think it's like does. part of the whole like leading into the whole great filter thing that we're going to talk about in a couple of episodes where like Samaritan is taking like counterintuitive actions because it wants to like harm humanity now for the sake of humanity later or something. Well, I I mean, it was like, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I guess they wanted fictional Monsanto out of the, no, I think, I think it was that this, I think it was that like, you know, the research was a like, you know, way to preserve to- food and that would potentially lead to over okay. you know overpopulation um and See, that's yeah. the, that's Which- the line of thinking that it takes because samaritan is a eugenics machine here's a, here's yes. my problem with that logic. yeah that, thank and you I, for I, don't disa- that out. I don't disagree with you at all um yeah. this show was made in the era of procedural weekly viewing right yes. not binge viewing so a, an episode that makes no goddamn sense is even less forgivable in that <laughs> context than in the context of, oh, well, five episodes in a row. So if episode two doesn't make sense, but it's explained in three and four, that's kind of okay. Like the Westworld problem, yeah. right? But back in the mm-hmm. back when this show was made, like in the context that this show was made, that's not the case. And yeah. I still think it's relatively unacceptable. Like I still think Westworld for all it's a season one, for example, is great TV. I still think that whole, like nothing makes sense until the end of the season is kind of bullshit storytelling in a lot yeah, of ways. Absolutely. Because as individual units, the, the episodes are not like satisfying watching They're They're just like a, a fucking Russian doll of, of mystery boxes all the way down until you get to, I don't know, like a boxing glove that, pops out and hits you in the eye. Um, Russian Doll, however, is a solid show. Yes. Uh, in this case, it's just like, you, this random episode is just like, hey, this makes no sense. And maybe if you're paying attention yeah. later on in the season, this might make sense. But you haven't, it's been a month since you watched that episode. And you don't have it on DVD yet. And you, don't, you can't watch it anytime you want. So fuck off, man. Oh, you don't own a TiVo? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I... I- like, Dropping those TiVo I, references. So, I remember TiVo, and that was that was huge. That I, was re- huge. I remember oh, programming the VCR. Yeah, I mean, I did that to, too to record stuff. Those were good times. Yeah, I yeah, I remember 
I remember uh, saving up money to buy blank tapes. Oh, yeah. So, like, so that I could. Re- so it was like, I, I can't remember. It was like, I must have been like nine or ten or something. But like, I remember doing stuff so I could buy blank tapes because I had like soccer on the weekends. And so, and it was like, so it was, it was like, you, I could, you know, so I could record cartoons. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Beautiful. Because, because I was that person, because <laughs> I missed like one episode of Digimon and I had no idea what was going on. And I just had to like try to catch up. Amazing. Yeah. Your social cachet depended entirely on your knowledge of Digimon. Like, listen, not have exactly an arc structure. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Uh, Power Rangers kid. That's valid. Uh, but believe it or not, this is not a morning cartoon podcast. Might be a Star Trek podcast, but it's not a Saturday morning cartoon podcast. So let's. Uh, are we are we good with t- this episode? Of can we move on from this episode? I yeah, so. I think yeah. so. I think I think like somewhat entertaining, but overall very confusing. <laughs> yeah. Why. Like if they'd put this if they'd put this in after the and this is one of those cases where like I wonder if the like intended order was maybe different or something like that because it would make a lot more sense if if we had seen Samaritan talk about the great filter once but we haven't at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, I think if it's it building was to that, yeah, supposed to become or they like, hadn't found that. Yeah, sometime after, like maybe after two episodes. But it yeah. would have to. Be, it has to be before episode eight because Blackwell comes back in eight. So, yeah. Anyway, I think it's like maybe. I think it's like maybe something where it was like they were trying to piece together, but either they didn't want to use that term yet, or mm-hmm. they hadn't thought of that. Or they hadn't thought of using that term yet. Yeah. yeah. But like, if you swapped, if you swapped five and six, five would make a lot more sense. I can see yeah. that. Uh, speaking of silly, silly episodes and episode six. Uh, <laughs> Who has a more perfect union? I do. This was written by Melissa Scrivener Love and directed by Ulrich Riley. Our number this week is a marriage license because the machine has a sense of humor. Uh, it belongs to a rich couple. The bride is the daughter of a racehorse owner, and John scores an invitation as the plus one after posing as stripper security. <laughs> this um, episode is so unhinged. <laughs> Yeah, it turns out the threat is the bride's sister, Karen, who is trying to murder the wedding photographer who caught evidence of the horses being doped. John saves the day, Root takes the wedding photographer on a horseback ride, and the team drinks some nice bourbon as they ruminate on the future. Except for Fusco, who has been given a number. Howard Carpenter, who is a city planner. Howard's been taking money from the mob and various other groups to demolish certain buildings. Fusco investigates Fusco's investigation leads him to an underground tunnel of bodies, all the missing people that Samaritan's been murdering. As Fusco tries to call Finch to warn him, the tunnel blows up. Also, check in with Shaw. She's been taken on a field trip to show all the small evils that powerful people can do and how Samaritan can stop it, ranging from faulty air conditioners to Chechen terrorists. At the end, the creepy child, yeah, you remember the one who keeps showing up occasionally to <laughs> speak for Samaritan or whatever, shows up to explain that humanity has not passed through the Great Filter and still can be exterminated as a species by themselves. Shaw realizes the simulation and tells Samaritan to go fuck off. Honestly, we're just in a holding pattern here. Yeah. 
And see, see, we've got the we get the great filter right here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What a wild episode. <laughs> I this is this is like this episode if I told is un fucking hinged. It's, it's, it's up there. It's up there with the high school reunion one in terms of sheer unhingedness. Yeah. yeah. This one maybe isn't like quite as pure fun and. Yeah, but there's it's, some yeah. stuff like. Yeah, there's some stuff like John showing up as a stripper, security, <laughs> uh, which great for that. John, what you are is. Um, yeah, but also um, I I love how I love that like. The actor clearly needed to do zero acting to just be incredibly uncomfortable in that scene. God, yeah. 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 <laughs> Fantastic. Um, 10 on 10, no notes. <laughs> the The wedding itself is zany and great. And I choose to believe that after Root saves the wedding photographer and like takes her horseback riding that they have a romantic moment. I want to believe. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the thing that this episode has going for it is there's some really good, weird, like root stuff in it. Um, yeah. my personal favorite is root is listing off all the thing like things about weddings that she find that is like she finds like sarcastically charming, and she lists overcooked meat, other people's drama, and monogamy. That's this is girl. why I think she begged the photographer. Her heart yeah. belongs to Shaw, but yeah, Girl's but a girl needs. has needs. Yep. Yeah. Also, you know how in sci-fi movies, this is a note. I'm reading the note I made. You know how in sci-fi movies, there's always that that robot race that t- talks nostalgically about its quaint biological creators. That's Samaritan. <laughs> do yeah. we want to talk about the gray filter? Yeah, I mean, we got it because it's going to come up multiple times in the next couple episodes. Yeah, they really somebody found somebody somebody read a book between seasons and really liked that idea. Yeah, so or or that or somebody played a a a space forex and got excited. (laughs) The great filter is an answer to something called the Fermi paradox. Um, The Fermi paradox, if you are not aware, honestly, if you don't. No, and you're listening to like this show. I'm, I'd be curious what that Venn diagram is. If you don't know that, please DM me. Um, just I'd find it interesting. Uh, so the Fermi paradox is: Hey, if there is X number of habit, if if we assume an infinitesimally small percentage of planets are habitable, and an infinitesimally small percentage of those habitable planets have fostered intelligent life. There are still so many stars in our galaxy that it would be unthinkable that there is that there isn't other intelligent life out there. Yeah. So what the fuck happened? Is is the question? Yeah. The, yeah. The great filter is one of those, which is that there is that at some development there is something, whether that is sociological, biological. Another race of aliens that runs around eliminating developing cultures. That's a different theory. Well, it's that's the dark forest. But they are related. Not part of the great. Is that not like a subset of the great filter? Various. There's various like the the general gist though of the great filter is that there's a reason why 
we are not chock a block with aliens, even though mathematically speaking, yeah. even if it's yeah, and gajillion planets out of one gajillion. What? Uh, yeah, even if it's the most infinitesimal fractions of infinitesimal fractions, there should be life fucking everywhere, and we see it nowhere. We can't find it. We have no evidence of it anywhere. I mean, there should be there's something. There's a much simpler. There's a much simpler explanation, which is that space is large, large and noisy. The noisy, the noisy aspect. Like we currently can't like out noise our own sun. Like that. Yeah. You know, there's a reason that a lot of the telescopes that we use are radio telescopes. However, mm-hmm. like radio. So like that's that's actually the for the the great filter and you know a or not not great filter but the the Fermi paradox is that like yeah. space is loud <laughs> like all of those celestial bodies have electromagnetic electromagnetic radiation that you know interferes like we so, you know solar flares on our own sun can knock out our communications on this planet <laughs> yes let alone anything else uh, mm-hmm. so that's that's probably that's probably more like but yeah yeah but the great filter is an alternate explanation which is that at some point civilizations plateau and die off they hit something mm-hmm. that causes them to wipe themselves out before they can become a spacefaring civilization that colonizes other worlds and become and surpasses the potential death of their own world yeah so the potential explanation um that earth is just really young on a yeah. cosmic we're not the we're not the that you know when we think five we're not the humans we're the mimbari or the vorlons yeah because yeah the the idea the the i I remember once having like uh, i i was at an auto shop reading about like answers to the fermi paradox and had an existential crisis Like, you know, that, that there was like, you know, I had one of those things where it was like considering all the possibilities and I just started having like this weird, like philosophical crisis at a like food up shop. Who amongst us has not had a philosophical crisis about, you know, like, you know, interstellar life? Yeah. So like the, the Fermi paradox is very anthropocentric. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, yeah, there's like that the the other the other kind of explanation is like the the thing of like like that XKCD about the ants searching for searching for evidence of higher life and they're like we left pheromone signals everywhere like and nobody is talking back. Yeah. <laughs> um and yeah, it's and we're going to see more about what what thinks are its solutions to the great filter. I find I find this interesting over whether maybe gosh, what's his name? Um the original creator of Samaritan. Arthur. Um Yeah, it raises some wild that, questions about what the fuck Arthur's deal was. I mean, maybe Arthur created Samaritan with the idea of like a watchful protector and guide for the human race. Or maybe Decima mm-hmm. like cre- like modified that to create their harsh but benevolent overlord well it's it's interesting because like i i think it ties back to the the way that samaritan was made versus the machine like that Mm -hmm. the it was theoretically some sort of like evolutionary algorithm for samaritan that like the the strongest version survived or something along those lines 
Um, yeah. And that certainly would lean into it's the way it's interpreted. Yeah, that that might filter into its worldview about, you know, yeah. what is necessary for survival. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think also probably, you know, I mean, it's the it's the thing of, you know, no, no algorithm unbiased because the the whatever yeah. you feed into it is going to bias it yeah and i want to talk about that in our next episode yes yes um, absolutely because, yeah, yeah i think this is like it's a really good thing um speaking of biases um i consider michael emerson to be a great actor like i think he is i think he is undervalued and like he he's legitimately one of the yeah. strongest performances across every. I can't every wait for this butt. I can't wait for the butt that's coming on this one. But that fucking Irish accent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, my family has not lived in Ireland for 170 years. Still offended. <laughs> and he sings with it too. Oh my god! I was just like, it's it's so. Oh. He can do he can do a lot of things, but he cannot do an Irish accent. Yeah, I was just like, I forgot about this, and I'm like, oh, I just memory hold it, and the the drunk Irish uncle stereotype is just like, oh, yeah, it's not it's not great. Although although it did give us one of my favorite lines in the season so far, which is um, when. When Root comments about Harold singing, uh, John replies with, like, wait, he doesn't sing to you? <laughs> and I'm like, Gerald, Gerald, it's been too long. <laughs> um, Here we go. Here we go. The shipping shipping intensifies. Uh, also, something that I like in this episode that I'm like, Wow, that racehorse reacted surprisingly well to a gunshot <laughs> right. gunshot going off near it. Because I've seen what happens when horses have a noise, like anything louder than a clap go off near it. I mean, oh, wait, it's a racehorse. Obviously, fuck. I, okay, no, I, this makes a lot more sense. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, my prediction for this, for what the twist was going to be, was that what was that it was the the horse that was that they needed to stop the horse from being assassinated <laughs> you didn't think I, that I the horse right, was somehow I, going to work its way into the great filter the horse was going to the horse was a samaritan agent yeah or like <laughs> they're evil enough or or alternately that like the machine was sending them there to like save the horse for some reason because there kept being like all this like shady background stuff with like make sure the horse is okay this episode uh, is just <laughs> it's silly bunkers. we also get the return of uh of shaw's heinous sandwich god god <laughs> I, I, everything about these simulations that they put shaw through just gets darker and more awful the more times we see them which yeah. i'm sure is intentional but it's kind of getting rough to watch at this point. Uh, yeah. I remember we've, we've, watching this. I remember when I watched this live on TV thinking that like, okay, I'm ready for this part to be done. Like I'm ready for some, I'm ready yeah. for Shaw to like do something different other than lay in a bed and, and have simulations forced on her. This just feels bad now. Yeah. Well, I soon. Think, 
Yeah, I mean we're getting we're getting the we're gonna have the formula changed up a little bit in the next episode. Yeah. yeah. And I think it does yeah. lead to like a good end with oh, 100%. a good emotional catharsis. I, I agree. I just remember thinking this was yeah. this episode was the point where I remember thinking, okay, I'm done with this simulation stuff. Like I've hit my limit on how 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 many episodes of this I want to see. And I think they yeah. tuned that about as tightly as they could. Yeah. Justin, I will I will ask you to say the, the this this one note that you have. Yes. So I love that like the 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 gang goes on a wacky zany adventure to a wedding and oh is the is like is the couple gonna be killed? Oh no, it's a thing about dumping racehorses. Alf Busca's gotta go to the fucking sewers to play Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like, true. It's yes. so true. They're having like, this wacky got, hijinks got, fun, and he's got a tunnel full of corpses. God. Poor Fusco. Like, he is. They are putting him through the fucking ringer this season. And like, and like finding a tunnel full of corpses is like a very Call of Cthulhu thing. Oh, too. it's the most yeah. Call of Cthulhu thing. Oh, all those missing bodies. <gasps> They're all here in the sewer. Done. <laughs> And then it explodes. And then it explodes. Yeah. And that's when you're like, okay, end of session. Fosco okay. must have rolled so really you're... well. <laughs> it's like, it's how you end your session. And you'll say like, okay, perfect. Um, so that was your solo adventure while the rest of the folk, like, you know, I know the schedules didn't line up. Okay, we're going to get everybody back together next week. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he gets for well, I guess we should probably out. seg to next week then. Um, I think I've, I've got the next one here. Uh-huh. Uh, unless he has anything else to say on uh, this one. No, I think we're ready to dive into QSO. All right. So as Jude, as Jude said, this is QSO uh, written by Hilary Benefiel and directed by Kate Woods. So we start by following Root through a series of identities. <clears throat> First, she checks in on Fosco as a NYPD traffic officer, uh, While well, he's recovering in the hospital from being, you know, mildly blown up last episode, um, she hands him emergency identities for both him and his son. Next, we see her as a ballet dancer as she saves an admirer from assassination and gets his phone number. In the- Root continues to ask the machine for help in saving Shaw and is told AM five twenty WKCP uh, before she heads to her next identity, Colonial Reenactor. She steals an EMF detector from some ghost hunters and is detected by Samaritan, but evades agents and receives a new message from the machine. WKCP, UFO, find her, run. She heads off to her new identity. Identity. For a paranormal-themed radio show hosted by a man named Max Green. While hosting the show, they get a call from Warren Franco, who's been working with Green to decipher coded messages from Samaritan, of course, disguised as AM radio interference. Franco calls again and says that he's about to commit suicide based off of the, you know, coded message mind control. Reese tracks him down and tries to stop himself, but finds, oh, wait, whoops, he's already dead. And the call is just a, you know, simulation or, you know, computer fabricated. Uh, so Root realizes at this point two things. Um, Green is also in danger. And more importantly, she now has the means to send a message to Shaw. 
She uses an EMF meter and printer to get out a message before Samaritan agents enter the building and trap her. Root offers to surrender to Samaritan if it lets Green go and brings her to Shaw, but Reese cuts the power to the building and they defeat its agents first. Green is given a new identity, but ultimately chooses not to take it and go underground, but instead to tell the truth on air about the coded messages. He is, of course, killed by Samaritan, as all of his listeners demonstrate that they do not give a shit. Hmm. Our our other plot line follows Shaw, who is taken on another field trip, this time by Lambert. They visit a lab where a researcher is working on restoring the thylacine. Lambert explains that her research poses a risk to the environment, and Shaw shoots her. Because she just wants the simulation to be done. Um, however, after her return to the Samaritan facility, Shaw discovers that this was not, in fact, another simulation. Um, she killed that woman for real. Uh, she is distraught and locks the doctor out of her cell. Uh, but then here's Root's message over the intercom. For alarm fire. She allows herself to be recaptured, uh, but begins plan to escape. Still this time. Da, da, da. Uh, this episode... G Willikers. <laughs> I I I really enjoyed this more this time around than the first time I wa- I remember watching it. Yeah, that was pretty fun. It did some new stuff too. Like this is the first time we see a number saved and handed a new identity and decide to be like fuck it. No. Well, I guess maybe not the first time because we we did have that uh the dude a few episodes ago um yeah mm-hmm. with the like antivirus software um but yeah. but yeah it was interesting to have a number just be like thanks but no thanks yeah. gonna get take my chances i thought root providing the new identities for fusco and his kid is like super sweet but also imagine what fusco must have thought like yeah hey Apropos of nothing, here's a way for you and your kid to vanish off the face of the earth. Just, you know, put that somewhere. Yeah. Like what is well that must have that must have felt like I just wonder what was going through his head when she handed him those. Good question. Yeah. There's a lot that I like about this episode. There's a lot that I think is weird and wild. Uh Roots dis- just absolute disgusted face as she churns butter waiting to find out what the plan is is iconically good uh yeah. the fact that that is not like a meme is just dis- really disappointing but hands down my favorite part of this episode is the russian guy who sees root take out the assassin with a with the flower vase choke him out with her with her point shoes <laughs> tied together like a like a fucking garrote and the first words out of his mouth are Honestly, same. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. respect. Like I, I mean, I get it, but like I just think that's super. <laughs> I just thought that was the funniest thing. He is a smitten kitten. This from the from the moment he was already on that road because apparently Root can dance. Apparently, yeah. Jesus. Uh, but also, what, can, what can't she do? Not much, apparently. Uh, but the fact that like he sees her kill. And that's really got it going for him. So to answer this question, do we have any canonical information about how good of a cook Root is? No. No. No, she she was she was a cook in one yes, episode. Yes, yes, she's in the 
she's a th- she masquerades as a caterer and okay, does a good also, job. Yeah. But she also fucks up in the episode where she's the nanny. She also like completely fucks up cooking food for the kids in that nanny when she's nannying for that guy. I think she is a good she she like as the caterer, she was a good manager of other people. But I'm choosing to believe that Root could burn water. <laughs> I think that is an entirely valid headcanon. She 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 has spent too much of her life living the Mountain Dew and Doritos lifestyle. Yeah, hot pockets. Yeah, yeah. I like to believe. Do you remember? I'm gonna go back in time. Uh, do you remember in the late '90s there was this fad of it? Was it started with Power Bars, and then people were like, "What are all the weird fucking ways that we can take a meal's worth of protein and other bullshit?" And make it in a weird format so that athletes will eat it and think that they're getting food when they're. Yeah. <laughs> and so it started out with protein with power bars, which for you children out there had roughly the consistency of the rubber that they put down instead of tan bark in a lot of pl- in a lot of kids' playgrounds, and had flavors. And I use that air quote liberally flavors. But also was like, I mean, God, it was it was literally like a cross between rubber had the weirdest fucking interpretations of flavors you've ever tasted. But then you also had, and this is where I'm getting to my point eventually, you had like pouches of like basically liquid <laughs> fucking power bar. These were all the goddamn yeah. rage when I was a fencer because it would you could slurp it down. You would stop feeling hungry because your body would immediately be like, fine, I'm sorry, don't hate me. And you would no longer feel the need to get a shot of like <laughs> sugar and carbs for a few minutes. Uh, I choose to believe that that is the kind of harassment and terrorism that Root visits upon her own body if somebody does not give her a food or if there's no takeout that will deliver in under 20 minutes. <laughs> the woman just subsists there you on Soylent. Yeah. Oh. She absolutely would invest in one of these like broy hacker liquid liquid uh, meal uh, startups. Uh, um, I'd like I to also killed, say that I just completely uh, killed the- all the momentum with my power <laughs> bar rant. <laughs> uh, so the the guy who plays Green apparently also voices Baymax in literally everything. He is just the voice of Baymax. That's so what? wild. Uh, but as I was watching really? it, I kept being like, wait, is this is this is this like dollar store Picardo? Yeah, he does have that vibe. Right? Of the like like balding but in the like kind of like scraggly way. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like a cross between here here we go. Here we go. It's a cross between Robert Picardo and Enrico Cataloni. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a face plant image of them. Ab- absolutely. Without, without uh, capturing either's charisma, particularly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think he was fine in this. Nothing, yeah. Ag- yeah, well, nothing against the guy, but I'm saying, you know, both of those actors have their own very distinct uh, charisma. Yeah. And, I, and, and a good deal of it. And... There's a reason this guy is like a one-off in an episode where he plays like a 
nutter butter radio host. He's but he, not he, batting he at the same. Oh uh, no, he he's also on Thirty Rock. Well, that's fine. Good for him. He's on a a, a sitcom that people have forgotten about in the in the last few years. It's I'm just saying he's he he's not either of those two actors that you compared him to. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm gonna get hate mail for dumping on Thirty Rock. <laughs> Good. Finally, I don't get something to, against me. I would love it. I, I encourage you to send me hate mail if you're a 30 Rock stan, if such a thing even exists, and uh, feel obligated to, to I have, tweet at somebody about it. I have it. a story about 30 Rock, but it's not, but I can't share it on air. I look forward to hearing it while your audio exports. We've, we've also got, we've also got um, Root uh, calling calling up the dude and being like, Hi, can I come visit you? And also your missile silo? <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> it's like, babe, babe, what do you what do you need a what do you need a missile for? Nothing. Just just something sexy I have cooked up. I a hundred percent guarantee you there were no follow-up questions from him. <laughs> She was like, hey, I, mean, I need to talk to you about a missile silo. And he was like, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> listen, listen, sometimes, sometimes you, you just hit it off with a girl and she's into like, we, she's into Eastern European military history. Now. <laughs> no, sometimes you're, you're, sometimes you go out, sometimes you meet someone and you know that they're into something you're that's going to get you into trouble, but sometimes you make bad decisions. Does this guy know he probably should not let this ballerina into the missile silo, metaphorical or otherwise? Yes. <laughs> Is he going to do it? A hundred percent. Oh, absolutely. Listen, listen, she's show. She's like roots. Roots like got her like little headset with the cat ears, like. Root is just like she's here because she wants to look at some old like she's like old Soviet technology. That's what she's here for. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just that. She's a war. Fu- we, she's a war thunder player. <laughs> <laughs> Complete with that is military. Some, that is some deep that, uh, that is some deep that is some internet nerd lore that if you're the right person for that that joke lands pretty hard. We're gonna have to tweet out days since military yeah. secrets were leaked on the War Thunder forums. Uh, I would just like to establish uh, a headcanon that canonically Root has definitely leaked military secrets onto the <laughs> on, onto that forum at least twice, and not for any good reason, just because she thinks it's funny. <laughs> but it uh, is the funniest thing. It's it's like. We have so many nickels. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's beyond the, it, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I also want to say I really, I really enjoyed the, like, sort of montage we had of root, like, root identities. Oh, yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Oh. And, and also the way the machine processes it, like the way it, it yeah. you know, her risk of exposure builds and builds and builds and so it like flips her into a new a new identity as soon as the yeah. risk becomes unacceptable but it does but and and we get to see what happens when it because when she when she breaks that thermocline which is that yeah. she just becomes a void 
And mm-hmm. by the fact that she is a void, she's detectable. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think, a really clever that. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. In in other in other clever ways that they were I feel like they did a really good job of showing us as that Shaw was in the real world for that field trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um that like we we got the through Samaritan view a few times and stuff like that, that like they did a pretty decent job of like, you know, shot thinks that it's another simulation, but we as viewers know that it is not. And that she actually just killed. Yep. Like the way they, the way they key that off is you're not, you know, if you're, if you're like paying close attention, you can key on it, but yeah. Although I will say that that like thylacine researcher, uh, subplot thing like really bothers me and they like that's not how science works (laughs) sort of way in that like there's no way that a project of that scale is being done by one person so like is samaritan going to just like kill off everybody in that lab and also like what about all the lab notebooks like granted like sure but samaritan could do something far worse than killing everybody it could yank its funding. <laughs> right. Like, why didn't it just do that in the first place? Yeah. Like, um, like that, that it's, it's interesting. Oh, oh headcanon for this headcanon for this. It's because the, the, like the primary researcher was the Alan Grant of this operation who was going to go pitch it, cor- who had, pl- who had a backup plan to pitch it to like corporate interests <laughs> so that we could do the Jurassic Park thing. But without her, it just sort of runs out of steam. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I'll buy it. Yeah. Now I really uh, want a thylacine Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, do we have anything left for the for these three episodes? I I do sort of kind of like that uh, the radio show is just like coast to coast. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, I I appreciate you know, as in space ghost coast to coast, or no, is this no, a reference like, I'm not picking up? No, coast to coast FM. Um. I thought you were making a Space Ghost reference, and I was confused. No, 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 no. Uh, Coast to Coast AM, that's what it was. It, it ran for years, but it was like, yeah. It's like a nationwide, like, theory, like, morning show. Like, not morning <laughs> show, but, like, late night show. Nice. Nice. That was such a fascinating detail, too. And, like, that, this is one of the things that felt, like, very real to me, which is that, like, when the dude actually reveals, like, the truth about these conspiracy theory on the air and like all of his colors are like wait wait no 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 scrap that we need to talk about like the spirit of marie antoinette that's haunting my silver yeah yeah they people they were completely like somewhere between and disbelieving i I felt like that was a realistic (laughs) portrayal at least (laughs) yeah yeah the masquerade upholds itself yeah (laughs) uh good christ okay so i think uh, that's that's i i've i've made one too many world of darkness references and of this episode so i'm getting we need to, that we are off the air um <laughs> so next time um what's our i can't remember do we have an do we have a word for penultimate but like the penultimate penultimate uh penny penny ultimate mm, penny dreadful ultimate okay so next time we're doing our Penny Dreadful Ultimate episode, uh, <laughs> which will be episodes eight and nine of season five, Reassortment and Sarvoce.
Until next time, we are being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license. I mean, we can we can start on DS9, but we can also do some shit post episodes. Yeah, I definitely think shit post episodes are called for. Although, just just saying, I think doing Deep Space Nine is seven seasons of shit post episodes. <laughs> <laughs>